Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Can you do me a couple of ones in a chance for Fag machine takes one, don't Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him thirty, right? You give him the ten bob back and you owe him, if I'm right, twenty-two pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Back by popular demand, Simon Day and Friends Lockdown Show 2. Saturday, July the 4th, 8.30pm. Go to biletto.co.uk. Search Simon Day and Friends. Tickets, only £5. Show will be shown on Facebook. Everybody and welcome to another Spurs show. Theo Delaney here in North London in a state of high excitement because we've just had a game and we're just about to have another game. We haven't been in this happy situation for a very, very long time. And I've got three great guests joining me here uh, to pick over the bones of what's been and to anticipate what's to come. I've got Rob White. Hello, Rob. Hello, mate. You all right? Very good. How are you, mate? I'm fine. So I Short bit of geography between us, but it feels like a million miles. It does. It does, mate. Also coming back for uh, for his second time from the Daily Mail, Daily Mail's cricket correspondent, Paul Newman. Hi, Paul. Hi, Theo. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's good to have you back, mate. And uh, thanks for coming. And also joining us from the world of television, Simon Mayhew-Archer. Hi, Simon. 
Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm very, considering, I'm very well, thanks. Good. That's good to hear. Now, um, I've got actually got, unusually, we have a fourth guest, but he's not here right now, but I spoke to him earlier, and I thought we would play the little chat I had with him earlier. Jerry Cox, who's a, a regular contributor to the show, and uh, the reason I had a little chat with him is because he was one of those very that exclusive band of people who actually got to the, go to the game on Friday. And he was also at today's Jose Mourinho press conference. So let's have a little look about uh, a little listen to what he had to say about those two things. This is him now. Jerry, how are you? Friend of the show, frequent guest. How are you doing? Well, I was doing great. I was enjoying lockdown and then the football started again. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had to go back to work. Well, yeah. that's what I wanted to talk to you about was Friday because, uh, intriguingly, you are one of the that select handful of people who actually went to the game on Friday. Yeah, yeah. They've, um, they've allowed 25 media. And so tell me, what was the experience like compared to, you know, a normal match day? Well, for a start, it was very weird. I mean, absolutely yeah. surreal. It was just, you know, it was a very strange atmosphere in there. Um, that stadium is built for the big events, you know, the big nights. And very, very strange being able to just hear the thump of the ball and, and the player's shouts. The, the interesting one was the player that, I, I mean, I came back and I said to my kids, who do you think was the most vocal player on the pitch all the way, never stopped? And I think they went through 21 players before they got to Hugo Lloris. But was it really really surprised me yeah wow that is really interesting because of course he's never he's been captain for such a long time and you always look at him and think is he a captain he doesn't seem that assertive but oh, he obviously is this was that to me this was the most eye-opening part of the whole whole evening really he was just a non-stop you know like the old school sort of center backs and captains always did talking to his defenders calling people back into position berating you know Serge Aurier when he was making mistakes as, as yeah. you can imagine um, but just non-stop, and, and I was really impressed, you know, and Jose just made the point in our, in our press conference just now, you know, of all the games back that he's seen in the Bundesliga and the Portuguese and the Spanish League, that was the best, you know, the most sort of um, up-to-speed game. They, they got the intensity levels up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, it might sort of work in Tottenham's favour in one sense, in that, you know, West Ham are always up for a visit to Spurs, aren't they? And yeah. it's not just the players, but the crowd. You know, they're noisy, they're, they're away support, and they get behind yeah. them and they make a real buzz. Well, there's no crowd, so there's no difference there. And it then just becomes a football match between, you know, and it's the better team ought to win as long as they're motivated. If they're up for it, hopefully, then, uh, then they'll come out on top. And what's the vibe today from Jose? From the um, you've seen him in many, many times in press conferences and things like that. How, how are you reading him? He was, he was entertaining again today. Really, really pleased that he's got a, basically a full full squad in terms of attacking players, midfielders. Yeah. He's just missing, you know, um, Tanganga and uh, Foyth. What he's really pleased about is he's got his first choice six attackers. You know, because Delhi's back from suspension. Yeah. Bergvine's fit. Lucas is fit. Lucas Moore is fit. So he's got he's got an absolute uh, full full lineup to pick from going forward. It's still an uphill task to 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 make the top four or five, which could yeah. could be enough. We'll find out in what middle of July. I think is is where the city have been successful with that appeal. If not fifth place, will get in the Champions League. Quite a few interesting points to pick up on there. I think, guys. I mean, um, first of all, Friday night 
what if, first of all, before we talk about the game and the players and performances, what did you make of um, how how traumatic and weird did you find it seeing that game take place in that empty stadium? I actually, uh, my, my reflection on the whole thing was that uh, I thought, I mean, I was I'm not I wasn't massively in favour of it starting, and I sort of enjoyed it, but it just reminded me how much stress I can go through watching football. And actually, I thought how, how much I, how little I've missed that stress. Uh, yeah, and it just I don't know. It, it felt very strange. That was the that was the overriding thing for me, uh, and it wasn't particularly an enjoyable sort of fun filled experience. I, I got all the old um, feelings back actually, which I, which I was surprised. You know, I had all the all the excitement, all the please let's play well, you know, and then all the nervousness as the game unfolded and, you know, we did okay. And then they, then, then we were defending and I, I got very nervous again. And, I, and one thing I was surprised by was how much the, um, the, the fake crowd noise worked actually. I think that's been a feature of all the, the games so far. I've, 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 I've watched all of them with the, the fake crowd noise. And I, I really think that does play a part because the cameras are so often on the pitch. You can almost, you can almost forget it's an empty stadium, but generally speaking, I was, I was just really pleased uh, football was back. Actually, um, I know it's not not it's not not going to be the same. I know it's uh, I know it's, it's it's artificial to a large extent, but but I, I really enjoyed it being being back, and it's given us all the old uh, all the old feelings and frustrations already. Yeah, Simon, yeah. do you do you watch it with the fake crowd or without? Yes, I do. I when the Bundesliga first came back, I watched the game the first couple of games without the crowd, and I yeah. I just couldn't get into it, and then. When I heard they were doing fake crowd, I thought, oh, that's going to be rubbish. And I'm slightly appalled at how easily I was completely duped by it. You know, I watch games now with the fake crowd and I completely forget there isn't, you know, 60,000 people there. Yeah. It's Although quite I, weird, isn't it? It's like I just want to say that I, I totally agree that there is definitely part of me that is deeply disappointed that the football has actually come back. <laughs> my wife has had 100 days without hearing me plaintively just cry, no, <laughs> as, yeah. as we give away yet another penalty. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I must say, as soon as you said that, Rob, I, I, found, I found the whole thing a really, really traumatic. It, yeah. uh, but only nothing to do with um, the empty stadium, of course, just because it was a it was that kind of game, wasn't it? And there's something about, when we get on to the, the actual play now, I mean, there's something about, Jose's style of play, which is imposing on this team, which is imposed on all his teams, which makes it somehow more traumatic. It seems to be less traumatic for him. But this safety, what what seems to be a very, very cautious, defensive way of playing, where you try and stodge the whole thing up and hit them on the break, I find it, not only is it not particularly entertaining to watch your team play like that, I find it really, really distressing all the way through. And I, I felt like... I couldn't work out afterwards whether we'd actually played well in a Jose Mourinho sense or whether we just looked really poor. The thing that worried me most is we had 30-something percent possession at home. And I know it's Man United, but it's not Man United of old. And I just thought to myself, that just seems to be his modus operandi. And is that a good thing? What do you think, Paul? I I totally agree, Theo. I I mean, I, I... 
I don't want to be negative, especially as we've got football back. But I've been I've I've been against Jose's appointment from the start, and I, and I desperately want to be wrong. Um, I, I desperately hope that that he can conjure up some of that old magic. Um, but if he's going to do it, it is going to be with a defensive um, system, isn't it? And I thought that was, actually I thought Friday was one of the first times we've seen his system very much in play. You know, we've conceded yeah. a lot of goals, haven't we, in the early Jose game, early Jose months? But it, it was in play, and and. He explained it afterwards. He was perfectly happy to explain it afterwards that um, United, he wanted to give United possession because he thinks they're a better counter-attacking team. Well, okay, but this is this is Spurs, and and it, and it worked for the first half. To to be fair to him, but then when I when I saw us park the bus in the second half and we were just inviting them on, and there was just nobody holding the ball, and a goal just seemed inevitable, and we did we did very well to hold on for eighty minutes really, and 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 then I just thought it was absolutely inexplicable that he only brought two subs on. Yeah, how yeah. can you? Harry out there for the whole 90 minutes when he's when it's his first game for six months and Sonny looked rusty as well. He hasn't played for a long time, nor has Sissoko, uh, Bergvine. I know he brought Bergvine off, but to leave three of them out there for 90 minutes, and if he really was trying to make a point that he doesn't agree with this five-sub thing, then then I think that's that's shocking, really, because he should be doing what's best for the team. And then to, to come off and say, you know, we didn't have the options. OK, you're missing Delhi and you're missing... You're missing Lucas, but remember, this is the guy who said, "If only I could fast forward three months to July and have and have my have Harry back, have Sonny back." Well, lo and behold, it happened remarkably, and and he's still moaning. You know, he what he could have brought Undombelli on, he could have brought Sessegnon on, and I just thought to use two subs um, was 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 ridiculous, really. So here I go. I said I wasn't going to be negative, and I'm being negative. <laughs> I was going to say, Paul, you said we've had to have football back. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Now, I. I... For the first time, I really feel it's back, listening to the <laughs> we are fully, fully back here on the Spurs show. I've got that off my chest. It's a great Spurs show, right? <laughs> but, I mean, I must say, trying to look for positives, uh, I felt like, yeah, I, I agree. It felt like the first kind of Jose proper Jose Mourinho performance, and he had a lot of defenders to choose from. He didn't have Foyt or Tanganga, but they would probably wouldn't have made the team anyway. And I thought it was an interesting selection where he picked Dyer with Sanchez. I was pretty pretty sure he's going to pick um, Alderweireld with one of those two, but it was interesting, and I thought they played well those two. I really did, and I think actually the fullbacks were okay. I mean, the fullbacks are quite limited players to be yeah. to be yeah. fair, but. I thought the defence played quite well. And I was fascinated to hear that stuff about Hugo Lloris as well from Jerry. What did you make of that, Rob? Did that, did that surprise you? It certainly did me. It did. As, uh, yeah, because you, you know, I'm in the south stand quite close to the goal and you can't really hear Hugo. Uh, you, in fact, there's, there's nobody in that team. And I think that's one of our you know, issues. It's not a secret. It doesn't seem to be a leader in that team particularly. Um, yeah. It turns uh, yeah. out there is. I, I thought I I wondered back to to Friday. I I sort of wondered whether, I mean, deep down, he must be thinking Jose uh, Joe, Jose Mourinho must be thinking that actually the chances of us getting a Champions League are pretty minimal, um, and I, it looked a bit like he was just trying out a, a, a different formation. He was sort of thinking of next season a little bit with Dyer at the back, um, you know, giving proper proper game time to that. That was the only thing I thought about. But everybody, you know, every Spurs fan must have sat there thinking, we know what's going to happen with Dyer. He's going to do something stupid because he does. He just lapses that, that sort of lapse of concentration, which you can't have at centre-back. Um, I thought Winks was poor. Uh, really? Yeah, I just thought Winks was anonymous compared to, um, you know, compared to some of the other midfielders uh, on the pitch. Uh, I thought Sissoko was 
Okay, I thought he was very good. He got better as the game went on. You're disagreeing with me, Theo. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't yeah, I, same as you. I don't understand. I don't understand the the, the just using two subs. It's crazy. Um, so there was lots of very odd. I yeah. agree, but, but the sub thing was really odd. And if he really is doing it to make a point, as you say, Paul, that is just not on. That's absolutely well, that, ridiculous. It wouldn't be the first time he's done something like that to make a point, would it? Simon, what do you think about him picking Lamella? I was shocked. Huh. Yeah, well, Lamella, you know, it's we're in pre-season or early stages of the season, as it were. So it's the only time Lamella plays well. So yeah. on a psychological level, I can understand him picking him. And and for the for the shithousery, it's always useful. But I, I just you know I agree with what um, Paul was saying before. I'm not. I haven't bought into Jose's method of play at all. And I think coming off the back of you know, essentially, I'm still not over RX. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Watched, you know, there was a photo of him with his barbecue the other day. It brought tears to my eyes. I just want her back. So bad. Did yeah. you go to the Bayern Munich home game at all? Sorry? Did you go to Bayern Munich at home? No. Well, yeah, I just, I thought, I think a lot of people are looking back with Poch- to Pochettino with rose tinted glasses. We played some atrocious football um, towards the end of his, his, his time at Spurs. And um, yeah, I think he was, I think he was done at Spurs. I, th- I just think the squ- I think they, they needed to overhaul the, the squad, and I think they've made the wrong choice in getting rid of the manager. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I think he wanted to over. I think the the sequence of events was he he lost patience with them not buying the players they said they were going to buy him, and him being left behind in the transfer market by other clubs, and then. He went to shit and then he got the sack. And I think he wanted to get the sack because he thought, I'm never going to get the backing here. So I'm, I've just had enough of this. And, and as we've said a million times, managers don't walk. They have to wait to get sacked because otherwise they say, you know, he's, he's saying goodbye to 10 million quid. What, what, but anyway, we've been over I this so like, many times, obviously. Was, sorry, all I was going to say, what I don't like about what Jose's doing is that it feels very much like watching England in the mid noughties under Sven. And I just it's such a high risk strategy where you basically hope to nick a goal, keep it solid and rely on not making mistakes. And unfortunately yeah. we just don't have the defenders to play that way because we, <laughs> you've got like Dyer and Aurier in there and Sanchez. They all have a wreck in them. And Davis. And yeah. Davis. Not forgetting Davis. Never, not to mention Lloris. Yeah. So one of, one of them will take care of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair to Dyer, I thought he had a very good game. And even the penalty that he conceded, I thought, wasn't that clear cut. I think you could have... I mean, Pogba was absolutely 100% trying to get that penalty. And he didn't kick him, did he? He just sort of lent into him. I mean, you've seen penalties like that not given. We definitely wouldn't have um, done that at Old Trafford. Well, yeah, we wouldn't have done. Absolutely right. We would not... That's a really good point. We would not have got that at Old Trafford. But uh, I thought Dyer played. I, I've got. I've suddenly. I don't know. Call call me insane. But I've got this idea that Dyer is going to, having been originally a centre back, then a midfielder who started well, got in the England team. He probably got twenty five caps at, for England in in midfield, and then suddenly he just. Lo- then suddenly he looked like what he actually was, which is a big clod hopping centre half playing in midfield. Lost his place in the England team. Lost his place in the Tottenham team. Suddenly been reinvented back into a centre half, and I've just got a feeling he's going to be a good centre back. 
I think uh, he's played the last two or three games, albeit with 100 days in between a couple of them, at centre-back. And he suddenly doesn't look so out of place anymore at that position. But anyway, that's for the future. I don't think he's quite a brilliant centre-back. Yeah, I also think Sanchez is pos- is potentially good. And as I say, I thought they were OK on, um, on uh, Friday. I love the Larice thing, though. I think the, the the idea that he's shouting at them all the way through is something that had never occurred to me before. He's never he just never seemed that type, did he? And and uh, so now we know why he's been captain all this time. Yeah, of France. Remember, I mean, he's captain of France and has been for many years. This must be why. Absolutely, it was a surprise, wasn't it? I did actually hear him a couple of times on the on the telly, even though I was um, I was watching it with the crowd noise, and it, it was a surprise. It's a pleasant surprise, isn't it? Because. Yeah. As you yeah. say, he doesn't stand out as a leader. But I, I take your point on Dyer as well, Theo. I, I actually think there's a good centre-half in there. And I was uh, a bit disappointed or surprised when he um, turned himself into a midfielder, really. And he's a leader as well, isn't he? I think I saw uh, another report from someone was there saying that his voice was one of the loudest on Friday night that you could uh, hear when you were at the ground as well. And um, uh, I, I thought he was clumsy for the penalty. I didn't, I didn't agree with Jose that it shouldn't have been a penalty, actually. Certainly, the second one was incredibly soft. And thank, thank heavens that was overturned, wasn't it? But the first one, I just thought he was naive, really. I mean, Ben Davis is standing there, isn't he? Of course, Pogba's going to go down. I think, you know, one of our, any of our players would have done the same thing in his position, probably, to be fair. And and I thought yeah. it was it was clumsy from Dyer and, and a definite penalty. But other than that, I thought he was he, terrific. And that, that um, challenge on on Martial when he was clear uh, in front of goal and, and Dyer dived in front of him, I thought was a well-class bit of defending, actually. I thought that was Ledley-esque. It's exactly the word I was going to use. Just you took it off the tip of my tongue. Ledley esque it was that intervention. It really was. Um, so we move on then to we we talk. We can talk about the, this forthcoming. This, they're coming thick and fast, and it is delicious actually, isn't it? But to be go straight into live on the telly uh, tomorrow night. This West Ham game. Now I watched West Ham most of it anyway against Wolves, and they look like quite a well organised but very ordinary team. That in the end, Wolves' extra quality, uh, extra class just told. And so, in theory, as Jerry was saying there, that should be what happens uh, in this game. What's the interesting um, selection conundrum, of course, is that uh, we now have Lucas Mora and Deli Ali back into the equation. Uh, we've also got Lachelso, who played, you know, the closing stages on Friday. And any one of those could be a candidate for the Lamella slot. Obviously, regular listeners will know that I'm always keen to see Lamella <laughs> removed from the starting lineup. Although he played, he did OK. He did OK on Friday. But um, who would you pick in that in that role, the number 10 role, Rob? I think Delhi will come straight back in. Um, I think he'll keep he'll keep Son, Kane, Delhi, and um, Bergwijn. I think that that's and I think Lucas will just go to the bench. That would be it. As simple as that. I think. Yeah, that's what you think. Is that what you would do personally? Is that what would be your preference? Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, just because those three sort of proven that they work pretty well together. Um, I guess there's a question mark over. I mean, Kane looked very out of sorts, but then. He hasn't played football for six months. Um, Son coming back, but, you know, everybody's been laid off for ages, so it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, that would be the, the front three that I would go with. And probably... I, go on. All I was going to say, I don't know, Simon, whether you think this, but I would love to find a place in that team for La because he looks like the really the extra bit of class, doesn't he, that cannot unlock defences. What do you think? Absolutely. He's... Um... 
Uh, someone once described Lucas as the uh, where possession goes to die. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lo is is the opposite. I just love yeah. the fact he's so calm on the ball. Um, yeah. And I mean, I wonder if there's a way of if you had if you played him in a sort of with uh, with Winks or Sissoko in a sort of two. Yeah. Um, and then played the front four. But yeah. yeah. Lucas and Lamella in the same team is, is, is not good for a happy day of watching football, that's for sure. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Yeah, I mean, Lachelso certainly, I think, is equipped to play either in the, the three behind Kane, probably anywhere across that three, or in the deeper line two. And you'd think, well, why would you want someone who's a, a flair player, creative player there? You need someone to win the ball. But I actually think he's got a bit of devil about him as well. I think he can win the ball. But, uh, Paul, would you play him tomorrow? I would if he's fit, Theo. Um, obviously, he still seems to be um, struggling with this this groin, long-standing groin problem, doesn't he? But which I think Jose um, mentioned again today. But I think he's been the biggest ray of sunshine from our season. I really do, and I think he made a difference when he came on on yeah. Friday. I, I was writing this down before he came on, and I, I'd go, for, I'd have a four-three-three actually. I'd have Lachelso, Sissoko, and Ndombele, uh in the in the middle with um, uh, Son, Kane, and, and Lucas up front, leaving um, Delhi. Lamella and Bergvine on the bench actually to come on and make an impact. And if Lacelso is not fit enough to start, I'd I'd put Delhi in there and move to a four-two-three-one and and have Delhi as a number ten. But what I liked about what you said, Paul, what I found interesting was that you talked about starting with Ndombele. Yes, absolutely, Theo. I'm getting very frustrated that um, that Jose is not using him. I really think there's a player there. I know he, he could be frustrating before lockdown, but. Uh, at the same time, you know, Jose's been bigging him up during during lockdown. He says he's been uh, he's looked he's looked good in in training. We know he's got a good goal in a, in a warm up game. Um, and I felt I just felt he could have kept possession in the second half against Man United. We desperately needed another body in the midfield. Um, this is our record signing, and I'm just convinced this guy is going to be uh, going to be a superstar. And and I, I'd, I'd start him because I think if he doesn't um, tomorrow, or if he if he if he puts him on the bench again and doesn't bring him on then the, the, the noises are going to start again in France that he wants away and we're going to go through all this again. And, and it's just eerily reminiscent of Jose with uh, Pogba at uh, Man United, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Ndombele as well. I, I mean, when you see him, what he's capable of, he can be so special. Him and Lachelso, those were the big money signings and they both look like value for money when they're, when they're actually, you see why the, the money was paid because they both have that extra bit of unpredictability. And what do you think, Rob? What's your theory on Ndombele? Um, I, I'm confused, to be absolutely honest, mate. I'm, I'm sort of uh, 
Yeah, I really don't understand it. Um, what's going on with fitness and what's going on with attitude? And then you're talking about selling him to or getting rid of him. I don't, I don't get it at all. Um, there's definitely a player in there, um, but it looks like Jose's as confused as I am about the whole thing, to be honest. Um, so or, yeah, I don't or quite. Or he's has he taken against him? Because like like Paul said, he, he took against Pogba, and he does take against players. Oh. And is he talking? Is he is he saying all these? positive things about him maybe Simon because he wants to sell him and he can, and he's better off saying positive things but they're not playing him and getting him out that way what's your theory on him Simon uh well I mean I was so I think like all of us those first couple of games he looked so promising and he thought well as soon as he gets fit he's going to be absolutely dominant and then yeah. he just hasn't you know it just never came the fitness never came I think someone like him, you know, again, it's, you know, he was clearly a Pochettino player and he'd made a big play for him. So I think, you know, you can't underestimate, he's what, 22, 23? The guy behind you gets binned off and suddenly Mourinho comes in and makes you public enemy number one. That's going to have a psychological impact that is going to affect your confidence. And he strikes me as the sort of player that needs confidence to do what he does well um i really 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 hope we don't sell him because i think he looks absolutely absolutely class and he just needs to be given given his wings really and and they need to find a, a place for him in the team well i i agree i like i must say paul i very much like the sound of your four three three although lucas might be <laughs> what was he said about him where, where possession goes to die, so I'm that's, exactly <laughs> it, yeah. that's, that's a great line, isn't it? That's yeah, but I do like the uh, I like the idea of getting Ndombele and Le Chelsea in the deep positions with, with maybe Sissoko because that's actually also that's a very athletic midfield, isn't it? It's a very intimidating midfield. Um, bit rough on Winks because unlike Rob, I thought Winks played okay the other night. I do like Winks, but he's, he's that sort of understated player. He does the sort of work which is goes possibly, arguably underappreciated sometimes. I think, and also because he's come up through the ranks, he lacks a bit of glamour, doesn't he? But uh, what would you do? You think? I mean, he plays for England, doesn't he? I thought he was okay actually on Friday. Yeah, I thought um, Rob was a bit harsh on him, um, but I, I, I'm not sure about him and Sissoko as a two. I just, you know, we've seen um, earlier this season that that's that's a partnership that doesn't really work. And I, I thought Sissoko did pretty well on Friday, considering it was his first game for a long time. And, and so, if I was going to have, if I'm going to have a four-three-three, I can only have one of them, I think. And and I and I, I, I have Sissoko in there to do the sort of hard work with. Um, the other two um, uh, playing around him. Um, I think that that could work, really. I know you, you haven't got a, a sort of um, old-fashioned defensive midfielder in there as such, but that's going to have to be Sissoko. Um, with Ndombele, uh, he's, he's, he's obviously going to have to do his, his share of running. That was the issue before before lockdown, wasn't it? Um, but but I, I, I think uh, if, he is, if he has come back fitter and more motivated, as we all hope he has, get, get him in there. I, I think we're all agreed on that. Yeah, and, it, and after all, it's only West Ham. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another good point that I thought Jerry made was that West Ham always up their game by about yeah. 800% when they play Tottenham. And because and it's because they're so rabidly, rabidly hate Tottenham, the fans yeah. especially, and it gets transmitted from the fans. And uh, But 
as he as he rightly pointed out, there are no fans in this situation. It's just two football teams, and um, so you would hope the more classy team with the with the theoretically better players would win. However, Arsenal, who can always be relied on to do this, they disproved that theory going to Brighton, didn't they, and losing to Brighton, which was for me my favourite game so far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's been played. It was absolutely fantastic first class right. entertainment. So we can't take anything for granted. But I feel like, um, yeah, having watched West Ham. They don't look like they've got a lot of conviction. They've got some players who should be good, but have never really delivered, haven't they, West Ham? A strange old curate's egg of a team. I've got two brothers who support them, so I'm quite well exposed to their trials and tribulations. I was, I was going to say, my, my best friend is a West Ham fan. And the one thing you haven't considered is that he said that they're, they're, they've actually got the advantage because they're used to playing in an atmosphere-less, echoey old drain. Yeah. And so... Yeah. I thought thought the commentator on the West Ham Wolves game was quite good because he said a couple of times that it might actually, it was the summariser actually saying it might do West Ham a favour playing with in front of no fans because obviously the fans are getting on their back at the Olympic Stadium now. Yeah. And uh, it would sort of relieve the pressure from the players. It's quite an interesting perspective, really. It is, and I heard someone else say that about um, Aston Villa. Who was it? It was uh, someone who used to play for Villa. It was Martin Keogh, who said Villa are much better off without their home fans this, because this... it makes it doubly difficult when they're playing, when they're struggling, you know. But I think when West Ham go away to Tottenham, then it's the opposite. They, then yes. their fans can, will only be an asset. Their fans are never going to get on their backs at Tottenham. I mean, they're only going to be... Um, Supporting them, so they'll. I think they'll miss. I think that's the only explanation for why West Ham always play much better against Tottenham because the fans are up for it. So hopefully that will be that won't work in their favour. Um, I feel like we might be getting close to prediction time, lads. So I hope you. I hope you're feeling brave. What do you think, Simon? Tomorrow night. Well, prediction number one: Mikhail Antonio will 100% score, <laughs> but. We will win 2-1. Okay. Rob? 3-1. To us. Right. Paul? I think this is a desperately important game, actually. I really do. I think we we really need... I still think we've got a lot to play for this year. I still think fifth is certainly feasible. And I really think we need to win this one and win this one well. I do worry about West Ham. I'm I'm still baffled as where this rabid hatred comes from, actually. I don't know if it goes back to Lasagna Gate or whatever. But, you know, Arsenal are our rivals, for heaven's sake. Not them, aren't they? They should go and get their own rivals. But but anyway... um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I think we will win, and I, and I really think we need to win this one well to to uh, to get you know get get us all on Jose's side and to get us all with a bit of purpose for this season. So I'm I'm going for three 0 Tottenham. I love that, and I I think we can beat them quite convincingly. It's interesting you say that about them. Why the hell? What's their problem? Get their own rivals. It's absolutely um, true. I think that if you ask, I think I might have said this on the last podcast actually, but. It's true that if you ask a Chelsea fan, if you ask an Arsenal fan, and if you ask a West Ham fan, who do they most want to beat in you know, when the fixtures come out? They all have the same answer. It's yeah. Tottenham Hotspur. It, that it's, is why we are London's premier club. Exactly. It, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I quite liked West Ham as a youngster. I, I, I come from Walthamstow and Chingford. It's, you know, there's a fair few West Ham fans around, and I... Yeah actually covered them for the local paper in the days of John Lyle and had a lot of good memories. But over the years, and I, and I do think the lasagna gate might have been 
been, been a sort of a turning point where maybe it was when West Ham became aspirational. They thought they could catch us up, but they seem to win, want to win that game more than they did the FA Cup final the following week. You know, that like, West Ham fans were so gleeful that they'd beaten us and put Arsenal in the Champions League. And it, it seems yeah. to have been the same ever since. Have you, were, you, were you at that game at Upton Park? Because I was, and it was sickening. I mean, I was with my, my brothers, to their credit, who are massive West Ham fans, you know, really are. But they got me in, in their, in the, in their, you know, in their bit. So I was amongst the West Ham fans. And, and we have a, a pact in our family because it used to turn so ugly when we were kids. I mean, violent. So we don't do any baiting or bantering about football at all. But the rest of those West Ham fans that day like, were singing Arsenal songs. They were singing Arsenal songs. You think, what's the matter with you? I couldn't believe it. I, it took me a long time to um, get over that, actually. But, but I, I can't hate. Well, I don't hate. I don't hate them. For, I mean, they're slightly pathetic, really. Uh, is the best you could say, I think, because they, they have a massive chip on their shoulder about Tottenham. I think you know when they went to this big ground, there was an opportunity. You would have thought on paper for them to. Why not? Why shouldn't they be competing with the with the three big teams in London? You know, they've got everything in place, but they buy players for lots of money. They spend money. Players that should be good. And they can't seem to get going at all. And they could go down. I mean, you know, looking at them against Wolves, they look like a team that could easily yeah, go down. Right. They'll, they'll be better tomorrow, you watch. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what normally happens. So, as I say, our, our hope should be, hope you know, that these are not normal circumstances. And I'll slightly... We have definitely got a superior... Should have a superior... How many players is it? 19? No, what is it? How many players are we going to have? Do you have 21 players now? How many 20. subs are on the on the bench? Twenty. 20. Yeah, that's right. Eleven on the pitch, nine on the bench. You were five close, potentially. Man. Nineteen and twenty-one. You were all round it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a good time to go. It could be a good time to make my excuses and leave. Lads, I would like to thank you all very much. Unless I've missed anything out, is there, is there anything? I, is there anything I've missed? Out? Anyone want to make any points or plug anything? No. <laughs> Good. No, I think well, Simon and Paul and Rob, I would like to thank you all very much. I've enjoyed this so much because, as I said, it's been a long time since we had a game to look back on and a game to look forward to. And this is going to be thick and fast from here on in. In fact, I think we're going to be doing another Spurs show before the end of the week, such is the um, hectic schedule. So watch out for that if you're, uh, if you're listening to this around the world. Uh, Mike Lee will be back before the end of the week with another show. But in the meantime, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Simon. This is Theo Delaney saying, Cow you, Spurs. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.